Today's scripture comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning at verse 3. Would you please open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians, however you get that. Um, I like the old-fashioned paper copies. I know a lot of people like the, the newfangled on your phones. but um, So if you would please open to there, and if you would please stand in honor of the reading of the word of the Lord. Let's hear from the word of the Lord this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning at verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it's for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we've experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so we despaired of even life of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril and will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. As you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted to us in answer to the prayers of many. Here ends the reading of the word. This is the word of God for the people of God. And we say, thanks be to God. You may be seated. Thousands of prostitutes, mostly female, but some male. Gambling abounded, especially on sports which are sometimes held there. People from the city are often portrayed drunk, or people who go to the city are often portrayed as drunk, and when they come back, they can often be portrayed as hungover. This might sound familiar. In fact, some of you are probably thinking of a very certain city in this country, <coughs> Las Vegas. Um, but that's not the one I'm talking about here. What I'm actually talking about is a picture of what scholars think Corinth looked like during the time of Paul, while he was writing this letter and when he, was, when he founded the church there. But there are really two basic schools of thought on this. And it, as I was doing research um, on scholars, it seemed like it was about split 50-50. About 50% were on one side, 50% were on the other. So there was this one side, and they said that this was no, that Corinth wasn't actually like this. It wasn't, it wasn't any worse than any other seaport. You know, they did have their, uh, their games there that they held, which were second only to the Olympics. But they said that it, it was no worse than any other port city. But, you know, it was, it was just okay. But then there's this other group that they're on the side that says exactly what I described to you. That there was this city full of sexual immorality because of all the temples there, the temple to Aphrodite, the goddess of love, was there. And so they kind of said that, 
you know, there's evidence for this. The other side says, no, there's not evidence for it. So, you know, their scholars can sit there and argue for it. And I myself haven't done decades of research like many of them have, obviously, because I haven't been trying to go into ministry for decades. But so I just had to come to the conclusion um, based on what I saw and based on kind of the scholarship, because it depended on what era you read it. You know, if you read in the 80s, they said one thing. If you read in the 90s, they said another thing. If you read in the 2000s, they said something different. And then I don't have any resources that are newer than that, so we get stuck with that. But I came to this conclusion because when I looked at it, sexual immorality is, is something that Paul talks about. is mentioned most in 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. In fact, it's mentioned more times there than pretty much all the rest of Paul's writings and almost the rest of the New Testament combined. And so that's why I side with the scholars who say that there was evidence for the prostitution, the gambling, the sporting events that happened, the drinking, the, the carousing that went on there. But before we get started, I want to talk a little bit about Paul and the Corinthian church. You see, we can read about Paul's ministry in Corinth from Acts chapter 18. And the city of Corinth is located right there. So we can, we, we can read this whole account of what Paul happened. He came there from Athens, which is the next city to the east. I had to think about my directions because there's not a orient, good orientation on the map there. So Paul came there from Athens, which, is, which he had a very different type of ministry there. We don't have a letter to the church in Athens. But we have this letter to the church in Corinth. Or two letters, actually, to the church in Corinth. But Paul stayed there for quite some time. He was there for about at least a year and a half, if not a little longer. He began like he always does. He started ministering to the Jews. He was going to the synagogue. He was talking with them, reasoning with them, trying to show them from the scriptures how Christ fulfilled what they had been expecting all along. But it yielded very little success. He got a few people, but there wasn't much. And so he did what he does always next. He went to the Gentiles. He started going to the other people, to the God-fearers. He started bringing them, into this, bringing them the good news of Jesus Christ. And this went well. He founded a good church there. During his time there, he was having some troubles. But God came to him in a vision, Acts, Luke tells us in Acts, and he encouraged him. But Paul eventually left here, obviously, to continue on his journey. He left there and went to Ephesus. And what I found interesting was pretty much all scholars agree that there was at least four letters written to the Corinthian church. And so this is 2 Corinthians, but that's not really where it should be. So we actually have a Corinthians 0, which came before 1 Corinthians, and that's called the lost letter. It's something we don't have. They obviously didn't, the church, early church didn't preserve it as considering it uh, valuable for worth studying because they took a lot of care in picking and choosing the books that went into the Bible. A lot of it had to do with what ones were circulated and which ones were preserved and thought to be more universal than the ones that were sent for direct issues. And then we have 1 Corinthians, which actually should be the second letter sent to them. And then we have Corinthians 1.5, or the third letter. This letter is also lost, but this letter is called the severe letter. Because in it, Paul is reprimanding the church for a lot of the sins that they have been continuing to commit. And then we have this fourth letter, which is 2 Corinthians. So, that's where we are. 
So what happened was Paul still has this history with the Corinthian church because in the meantime of writing these letters, um, he had sent Timothy there. He had gone there himself. But what happened was, was Paul went there himself to make a visit. Boy, it was bad. The church kind of tore him apart. There were false prophets there. They were saying he wasn't a real apostle because of the things he had did or things he didn't do. And so he ended up getting basically whooped. He ran back with his tail between his legs to Ephesus to regroup. And that's when he wrote that third letter, the severe letter that's lost. He sent it with Titus. But what happened was Titus came back to meet Paul on his journey as Paul was going to go to somewhere else. And he was able to encourage him, say, Paul, we've seen some progress. People realize what happened. And then Paul penned this letter. And so that's, what ha- that's where we're at. But this word that Paul repeats over and over again in this passage, it's a very interesting word. It's similar to the word paraclete that we talked about a few weeks ago, when I talked about a few weeks ago in the message. But it's different word forms, different variations, and depending on how the Greek words are around it and can mean slightly different things. In the NIV, it's translated as comfort. And this word is repeated like ten times in this passage. But it can also be translated to encourage or encouragement. It could be translated as guide or guidance, but that would be a little bit of a stretch. But these words alone do not accomplish what Paul is trying to communicate. I love what N.T. Wright says about it. He says that this comfort, guidance, and encouragement that Paul talks about, it meets people where they are, and it brings them right on to the point where they are strong enough to see a new hope, new possibilities, and a new way forward. So that's what I want to talk about today, is these three different things that it can mean. And I'm going to talk about encouragement. And we're going to look at how Paul was encouraged, but we're also going to look at how the Corinthian church needed this encouragement. But this encouragement was its something that just wasn't done alone. This encouragement comes from God. And because it comes through from God, it is imparted to us through the Holy Spirit. This is a series we're in. We're looking at what the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is the one who provides us encouragement, guidance, and comfort. He is the one who enables us to also encourage, guide, and comfort others. See, for Paul... Christ was individual, it was personal, but if he took the personal out of the corporate, that took away from what the kingdom of God really was. So we're going to look at how Paul was comforted. Paul was coming out of a very hard time, as, as he talks about. He had troubles in Asia, but he was also coming off all the troubles and struggles he had with this Corinthian church. This was a church he planted. He had started, and he was doing, carrying out his apostolic work with them. But they decided that because of what he was doing, he was not worthy of being an apostle. And so they ended up stabbing him in the back. So he was trying to recover from his difficulty. So he needed encouragement that comes only from the Holy Spirit. But Paul was also going through other sufferings. Paul, man, you did not want to be one of his traveling companions. He had suffering after suffering. Pretty much everywhere he went, he had some kind of suffering. He was shipwrecked twice that we know of. He was beaten multiple times. He was even stoned once. He was also imprisoned on multiple occasions. And there was often plots against his life. Paul needed this encouragement that comes from the Holy Spirit saying, Paul, keep going. I am with you. Paul, you're in the right spot. 
continue your work. I will be with you. I will protect you. But encouragement also came from other people who were godly people who were empowered with the Holy Spirit that said, Paul, there's a plot against your life. We've got to get you out of this city. Paul, we thought you were dead once you were stoned. Come on in. We'll clean up your wounds, and then we can help you heal and send you on your way. But then let's talk about the Corinthian church. Because the Corinthian church also needed a lot of, the current, of encouragement from the Holy Spirit. You see, that culture that they lived in, it was sexually charged. They had to live, it was so countercultural to what the kingdom of God was, that just to get through a single day, they needed the encouragement of the Holy Spirit. Because they were being pushed to the margins by people that were their friends, people that were their families. They were looked down upon because they were not participating in the same things that their culture was doing. They were looked at as saying, really, what's wrong with you? You don't want to, you know... You're, you're uh, disrespecting our God. You're not doing these things. You know, we're going to cause a curse on us, so we don't like you anymore, so we're going to push you. They were no longer being able to get the same privileges. They were even being pushed aside by their families. They were losing their family members. But they found community in Christ. They found encouragement among one another by the power of the Holy Spirit in their own lives, but also in the power of the Holy Spirit at the community level. And... They were also coming off this hard time because they realized they had abandoned and shamed Paul, and thus they had also abandoned and shamed Christ. And so they needed encouragement to say, okay, we we messed up, but we can keep going. We can get past this. Paul, help us. Show us what to do. Christ, pour out your Holy Spirit upon us. Help us not to get caught in the trap of a false prophet again. This is the encouragement that we can get that comes only by and through the power of the Holy Spirit. Then the next thing we want to talk about, guidance. Paul needed a lot of guidance from the Holy Spirit. Paul made, Paul had to write to these issues that were coming up in the churches. I mean, if you read through 1 Corinthians, you can see all these issues. There's issues of disunity. There's issues of sexual immorality. There's questions about gifts of the Holy Spirit. There's questions about dualistic thinking about how the mind or how the soul and body are separated. Paul needed guidance in how do I relate to my friends on these issues that they're struggling with. But Paul also was a quite the traveler. If you ever look have a Bible that has the maps in it, you should look at Paul's missionary journeys. I mean, he went on three or four of these. I mean, there's these big loops. So he needed where to go, when to go. He needed this guidance saying, God, how long do I stay in this place? Or what do I say to these people? Or how can I reach these people? Because no two cities in that time were alike. You can see this just by reading the difference between Peter's sermon at Pentecost and then at Paul's sermon in Athens. You can see these vast differences where Peter will quote scripture to Jews and Paul will only use scripture references to Gentiles, using what they're familiar with to get them and draw them into this kingdom of God. But then we have the church in Corinth. They also needed guidance. Because of their everyday life, the culture they lived in, they needed to know, God, how can we be your representation in this life? How can we be your representatives in a culture that is so different than you? Guide us in what to do. Help us to know what is right and what is wrong. Where, where are you working so we can help bring others? Paul, when he left Corinth, he also took some people with him. He took Priscilla and Aquila when he left Corinth to go on to Ephesus. So they also needed to know, God, 
Do we need to go somewhere? When should we go? Where should we go? So they were also needing the same guidance that comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. And it can come individually, but it also can come from those around us. So the last thing we want to talk about is this comfort that comes through the Holy Spirit. See, Paul, he had been hurt so badly by this Corinthian church that he needed these healing wounds. He needed this comfort that only the Holy Spirit could provide. But Paul was also going through some other difficult time when he was writing this letter of 2 Corinthians. We don't know what he doesn't give specific details, but he said he was despaired even to death. He did not want to live. They thought they had a death sentence. The suffering that he was going through was so bad. But he needed that comfort from the Holy Spirit to know that he was wrapped around him that said, no matter what, God is with you. And then we come also to the Corinthian church. Because they also needed comfort. Because they had just come off a time where they were seeking forgiveness from Paul and had to be reminded of the love that comes from God. God was coming in and had to comfort the people and remind them, it's okay, we all have messed up because you all, God doesn't say we. God says you have messed up because God doesn't mess up. He says you, it's okay that you've messed up. All people do. It's okay that you've failed. I am still here for you. I can still comfort you and bring you out of this. I forgive you. Paul forgives you. Paul still loves you and cares about you. It's evidence because he's still connecting with you with these letters. He didn't cut ties with you. He's still there for you. And then they had their trials. This keeps coming up because this is so difficult. And the the culture in which they lived was so hard on them that they needed so much from the Holy Spirit. They needed the comfort to know that it's okay that you lost your family because there is a new family in the church. There is a new family that I can bring you into that will be more of a family to you than what you lost. And so this brings us to this point of where does that leave us? This was all available for the Corinthian church. But was it really available for us? See, this encouragement, guidance, and comfort that is provided by the Holy Spirit is not just for them, Paul and the Corinthians. It, is, it did not even originate with them. See, because Paul, everything in Paul's thought is rooted in the gospel and in Christ and in the sufferings of Christ and what Christ did on the cross. And so this encouragement and guidance and comfort, it was there. It was at Calvary. It was with Christ when he was there. The Holy Spirit did not abandon Paul. God did, or excuse me, the Holy Spirit did not abandon Christ when he was on the cross. God did not leave him. That's a common misconception. People say, well, God's, well, Jesus said when he cried out from the cross, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But people don't realize that that's not what Jesus was saying. He was quoting the 22nd Psalm. And we read that this morning. I didn't realize we were going to read that. That worked out good. Um, But you can see the beginning of that psalm says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from my cries? But then you saw kind of the middle and end of it. And the way it ends is it's the beginning, helping people to see that God did not abandon the one who's suffering. He was there with them in the suffering. And it ends... The very last line of the psalm is, he has done it. But he has done what? 
You see, God, I'm going to read the last couple of verses. So I'm going to pick up from kind of where we left off in the reading. So I'm going to start from verse 27. It says, All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations will bow down before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules of the nations. All of the earth will feast and worship, and all will go down to the dust. All who go down to dust will kneel before him. Those who not keep themselves alive, those who cannot keep themselves alive, prosperity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. He has done. He has brought the salvation of the world. He has brought everything to us, but he was only able to endure it because he was in complete union with God and he had the power of the Holy Spirit at work in and through him, comforting him, guiding him, encouraging him, saying, you can get through this because I am with you. I will not abandon you unto death. I will be with you in your death and I can raise you from the dead. That's what Paul says. He says, we believe in Christ who can raise the dead. I also like what N.T. Wright says about this, this power of the Holy Spirit. He says, what is true of the Messiah became true of his people. In Christ's death, resurrection, and ascension, the Holy Spirit was imparted unto the disciples. And the disciples then spoke and were able to encourage others and bring others into this. And the Holy Spirit was continually spread and poured out upon others because of what Christ did. It's available for us. It's available for you and for me and for all of us. This Holy Spirit encourages, powers, and comforts us individually, but it can also do it through people, through others who are empowered by the Holy Spirit. See, our culture is not that much different than the culture the Corinthians lived in. If you haven't looked around, there's lots of people who are involved in sexual immorality, who are not living the way God has called them to, who are living falling far short of the kingdom of God's standards. And I'll confess that I have fallen short of these at times. And I still do at times. Sometimes it's a struggle. But we have to realize we're still looked at differently when we don't participate in these things. But God calls us. He says, find this new group, find this new community in the church through the power of the Holy Spirit and be encouraged and be committed to me and I will be with you as your comforter, as your guidance, as your encouragement. And so this brings us to our time of response. At the ends of each pew, so it should be towards the center, you'll find some three-by-five cards. If anybody doesn't have them, I have some up here, and the ushers should have them. This card's got two sides to it. Does everybody have one? On side one, this is your personal side. What do I need? Guidance? Or anyway, excuse me, what do I need? Encouragement, guidance, or comfort in from the Holy Spirit? Sharon might put down, I need comfort and encouragement because of my surgery that's coming up. Scott and the Williams family might say, we need comfort in the recent loss of our mom. But I need, on my card, I wrote down how I need encouragement to keep on finishing my schoolwork because we're almost done. We've got to keep going. But sometimes I need encouragement to say, keep going. It's worth it. I'm with you. But write down, some, write down you can write down as many things as you want or just one thing, but write down something that you need encouragement guidance or comfort from from the Holy Spirit. We'll do the old teacher thing once everybody's done writing and I see your eyes then we can go to the next thing. So Pastor Jeff is going to play something softly while you're writing. This can also be considered prayerfully so take take a few minutes if you need. Alright, so on the other side, this is your family in, your church, in the church or the church and or. 
So, what are some things that you can see that you need to, that your family needs encouragement in, or that you see that your family needs encouragement, guidance, or comfort? And they can overlap. Sometimes they'll go back and forth. I know recently we've had some family in the hospital, so we know how to be, you know, we need to be encouraging of our family that's been there. You know, and there might be some difficult conversations that are coming up. Maybe sometimes you have struggles with a coworker. And so you can broaden that scope to include that. So if you want to go ahead and write a few things on that side, and then we can wrap up. All right, looks like most people are done. So what I want you to do with this card, I want you to take it with you. Put it in your Bible, if you read your Bible every day, which you should be doing. Or put it on the dashboard of your car. Put it on your fridge, flipping it over. Put this in a place where you'll see it, to be reminded. And begin to ask God, God, send your Holy Spirit on me. Comfort me in this. Encourage me in this. Guide me in this. Or, and then also be praying for the other side. God, encourage my family with this. Comfort my family. Guide the church in this direction. I'd be praying and asking God to send the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, both to comfort you personally and to use you to comfort, guide, and encourage others. Keep doing this every day for a week, two weeks, three weeks. Continually being reminded of this and see how the Holy Spirit works in your life as the guider, as the encourager, and as the comforter. And so, that brings us to the end. So would you all please stand for the final blessing. And now, may the God of all comfort and all compassion, may He guide you and direct you throughout this week. May you be continually reminded of the encouragement, comfort, and guidance that comes only by and through the power of the Holy Spirit. Go in peace.